0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Cameron's Baseball Talk. I'm your host, Cameron Capobianco, and today I have a very special guest with me today. From Blue Jays Central, the host, Jamie Campbell. Jamie, how are you today?
1: I am well, Cameron. How are you doing?
0: I am very well. And before we get into the coronavirus and also mainly uh, the Blue Jays, why don't we talk a little bit about some personal things? Um... Was there, uh, growing up, was there ever a memory you had of the Blue Jays, watching them on TV or anything, that made you want to go and be a part of the, like, kind of, in a way, a part of the organization? Oh, there were
1: many of them. In fact, the very first memory I have was sitting at home on April 7th, 1977, watching the very, very first game ever played by the Blue Jays uh, at Exhibition Stadium. My father had tickets for the game and he went with a bunch of his friends and promised me that when I was um, not so much older, but just he just wanted to go to the opening game by himself because there was gonna be such a huge crowd there. He wanted to take me another day when uh, when maybe the crowd wasn't so large. And so I watched that one at home and became completely enamored uh, with the Blue Jays at that time. And then about uh, four weeks later, I think it was, we finally got to a game in early May of 1977, uh, a game against the Minnesota Twins on a gorgeous weekend. And it was it was everything I thought it would be. It was an absolute dream come true for me. So um, from there, I've had all kinds of memories. I've been to World Series games. I've been to Carlos Delgado's four-home run game. I was there when Dave Winfield Hit and killed a seagull with a baseball. I've seen guys whose names you would never remember, and like Otto Velez hit four home runs in a doubleheader. It's just been uh, it's been such a pleasure being a fan of the organization, and now for the last fifteen years, one of their broadcasters.
0: Now, I want to ask you a little question. Going back to what you said about the World Series, uh, where were you the night of 1993 when the Jays won their second consecutive World Series? In 1993, I had left Toronto to go
1: and begin work as a weekend sports anchor for CBC in Edmonton, and I was in um, the basement of a good friend in Edmonton at a little bit of a gathering, a party, uh, to watch the sixth game of the World Series, and that is where I was when Joe Carter walked it off.
0: All right, and we'll get into a little more uh, Blue Jays in a minute. I just want to start it off with First of all, saying thank you very much for coming on to this show. And you are also one of my idols growing up. I always love watching you on Blue Jay Central. I always have the TV on with my grandparents and my father just watching it. So again, thank you very much for being here.
1: My pleasure, Cameron. It's an honor.
0: All right. And let's start it off with the coronavirus, obviously, taking the world of baseball by storm and also other sports. Now, there have been some delays. Uh, the uh-huh. Nippon Professional Baseball in Japan has delayed the start of their season because of the coronavirus and the SEC Baseball Tournament has been cancelled which includes the College World Series. Have you heard any word on other leagues being cancelled including like the Dominican Leagues, the Latin Leagues, any other leagues?
1: I'm not so sure they're they're being cancelled as much as they're being delayed because you know the truth about this coronavirus is we don't have real information as to how long this could take to evade and um you know the world is changing almost on a daily basis every morning we wake up and flip on the news and we've learned that so many people have uh, passed away overnight or a certain number of people in canada have tested positive for the virus so i think what baseball in general and that would be every league uh, especially those that are under the umbrella of Major League Baseball, like the Southern Atlantic League and the Northwest League and the Eastern League. They're all basically following the lead of Major League Baseball at this point. And, you know, it's impossible to predict when things get started again. We've heard the, the date of June 1st as, as a benchmark at this point simply because in the United States, they've essentially banned gatherings of larger than 50 people for the next eight weeks. And if that's the case, that basically precludes baseball gatherings. Um, so, you know, June 1st would be, to me, would be, I'd be thrilled to know that we could get things going again by June 1st. But honestly, Cameron, I think based on how slow and steady this this virus and its impact Um, seems to have, I think it's a real, real possibility that there is no baseball played in 2020 and that we see an entire
0: season wiped out. Mm -hmm. Now, with the MLB being suspended, like we were talking about just now, um, what does this mean for the season? Are we going to see a shorter season or is there just going to be no all-star game? I've heard they're probably going to cancel that. Is there any word you have on that?
1: Um, nothing, again, nothing that's that's confirmed because the situation is so fluid and so impossible at this point to predict. I would be thrilled with any season. And I, as I told a few people the other day, you know, even if we got a 50- or 60-game schedule in, in what I would call a sprint to the playoffs, um, that would be fantastic. But the way things are going um, – it's it's to me it's a no brainer that they, they don't even think about holding an all star game uh, because those days are going to be very very important um, when it comes to needing them to fill out some kind of a regular season schedule you know if there ever gets a point where you know there are um, there's an ability to to at least get teams together you know and get them on um, chartered aircraft. Aircraft that are kept clean and um, and have uh, you know have been wiped down extensively and 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 allow the teams to travel and play in empty stadiums so that baseball becomes um, a non spectator sport. They could play out the the season without spectators. Uh, that's something that I've heard mentioned, but it's not something that's being considered just yet. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, it's 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 impossible to predict what things or how things are going to pan out in the next two months, three months, even six months.
0: Now, let's talk a little bit about the Blue Jays. Are they still putting in work uh, during this time with the coronavirus, such as pitching, hitting, or fielding, or are they just in isolation?
1: It's very it's very limited. There, there are a limited number of players that have access to the spring training facility. They have been told that um, if they're on the 40-man roster, they're eligible to stick around and um, and work out, but I believe they're all on a very, very firm schedule so that there are limited numbers of, I think, no more than 10 in the facility at one time. Um, it's very controlled at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, all those minor leaguers that, that have been there have been either isolating themselves Uh, in hotel rooms wherever they might be staying or in some cases just going home and it's really up to them to uh, keep themselves in shape keep their arms loose keep their you know they keep their swings on time as much as they possibly can and just get ready for whatever season presents itself it's it's a situation that we haven't seen in such a long time and uh you know you 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 think of someone like randall Gridchuk who's on a guaranteed contract well you know, it's not gonna hurt him very much. He's gonna sit it out, do what he has to do to be safe and, and try and get himself ready for the baseball season whenever it begins again. But there are, you know, literally hundreds of minor leaguers who haven't been making a paycheck. Um, and even when they do make a paycheck it's minuscule. And, you know, they've got they've got a huge, huge dilemma in front of them and that they don't they don't know how they're gonna make a living. Um, They're contracted to a a professional baseball team, so they're not really eligible for unemployment insurance. And, and, you know, they're probably sitting in their respective homes wondering what the heck they're going to do with themselves.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, when the season starts, uh, what can we expect from the Blue Jays this season? And do you have, like, a prediction of where they can finish in the American League East standings?
1: I have never been fond of predictions, because it's just impossible to predict anything anymore. Anybody that says they can is wrong. Um, Nobody ever saw the Tampa Bay Rays getting to the World Series in 2008, and I can assure you nobody expected the Washington Nationals by about the seventh inning of that wild card game last year to be the World Series champions. Um, So I'm not fond of predictions. It's impossible to make them. the only thing I can tell you is that, um, you know, the, the, the pitching staff now for the Blue Jays is is so much better than it was a year ago. It was an absolute mess due to inexperience and injury and everything else. Um, and now you've got, you know, four, if not five legitimate major league starting pitchers who can eat up some innings and keep a bullpen rested. And then, of course, you've got this really nice young core of players, whether it's Guerrero or Bichette or Biggio or Daddy Jansen or Guriel. And and who knows, in a 60 game season, if they ever got one underway, these guys could do some serious damage. So, um, I mean, on top of all of that, you've got the best pitching prospect in all of baseball just waiting to make his major league debut. So um, it's it's quite clear that the the future, especially the immediate future, is quite exciting.
0: All right. And. what are some? Who are some players? Excuse me, that can have an impact on this team this season.
1: Well, players. Yeah, I mean, the obvious. The obvious answer would be the guys that we saw come up and, and start to make their mark a year ago. Bichette, Guerrero, who's got a lot of improvement ahead of him. But uh, boy, the the potential for Vladdy to be a Hall of Fame caliber player over many many years is there, and it's very obvious um they've got some really really intriguing prospects uh i would suspect if the season gets underway and that's obviously in doubt right now you'd see nate pearson at some point he's the best pitching prospect in all of the game and frankly um from what we saw in about four weeks of spring training he was the best pitcher they have in camp um they've got this they've got a a wealth of really interesting catching prospects beginning with alejandro kirk who um uh, who really opened some eyes with his ability to hit, to hit the baseball. Uh, he was invited to camp as a non-roster invitee. Um, they've got a kid by the name of Riley Adams who, who has real power and a, and a leadership quality that they love. Uh, Gabrielle Marino, who's only 18 years old, is a minor leaguer who should start to uh, make some noise in two or three years from now. Um, and then they've got some kids who you won't see for, for several years, like Jordan Groshans, who's one of the top prospects in the game right now. He was their first-round draft pick uh, a year ago out of a high school in Texas, and he had a phenomenal first year in, in professional baseball. So, uh, you know, on the minor league side, there are kids coming. I'd like to think that the guy that might make a, a pretty interesting impact, who, who an unexpected impact if they get things started, would be Joe Panic who was signed to a minor league contract, he might play the role of Eric Sogard this year if we ever get a season underway, a guy who can come off the bench, play multiple positions, a good utility man, and, and uh, he's won a World Series ring in his lifetime, so maybe he's got some some expertise to pass along too.
0: Yeah, and actually sticking with the topic of Joe Panic, a former World Series winner and a Gold Glove winner... Uh, can you give us a little more depth uh, detail on what he can bring to the team when the season starts, if he gets called up?
1: Well, you know, I don't think he's going to get called up. I think if the season begins, when the season begins, he'll be on the opening day roster. In fact, I think they made that very clear when they added him to um, the 40-man a couple of days ago. They had to do that because he had an opt-out clause, I think, in the middle of the month. And uh, they know that he was going to make this ball club. He's just one of those guys. He's not going to. He's not going to. He's not going to wow you with anything he does. But he's just a steady influence, a guy who's really taken to some of the younger players in that team. Um, one of those additional sponges that they can throw into the the clubhouse that some of the younger players can, can can speak with whenever they need to. But just a good guy to have coming off the bench in late game scenarios. Um, a guy who can fill in shortstop second base he could probably play third if asked although they don't really need that at this point um just uh one of those players that you seem to need and i hate the term but i'll use it anyway a glue guy for whatever that represents and 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 i think joe's gonna play that role for this team
0: all right and another guy they signed this offseason was hyunjin ryu from the los angeles dodgers who posted a 2.32 era last season uh, what can he bring to the starting rotation for the Jays when the season starts?
1: Stability, obviously. You know, his his innings aren't high. He's not one of those 200-plus innings per season type of pitchers, and he's certainly not one of the, um, you know, many hundreds of young pitchers in big league baseball today who throw in the mid to high 90s, and he takes great pride in that. He, I think he tops out at 90 or 91 on his fastball. Um, but Ryu's strength is being able to fool people with command and off speed and you know he did that very effectively last year with the Dodgers in fact I believe he finished second in voting for the National League Cy Young Award so um, as much as he's an advanced age for a pitcher I believe he's 34 to start um, on opening day uh, he's a great guy to have because they know they can rely on him every fifth day and and as I like to tell people, it did not cost the Blue Jays prospects to get Hinge Ryu. All it cost them was free agent money.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, another guy is Travis Shaw. Um, how do you think the addition of him will impact the young talent? Good question. Um, it'll impact them
1: from an historical perspective in that uh, with Shaw at first base, Biggio at second, Bichette at Shortstop and Guerrero at uh, third, you probably have the very, very first Major League infield made up entirely of second-generation Major League players because all of their fathers played in the big leagues. Uh, Travis Shaw's dad, Jeff, was a pitcher for, among other teams, the Dodgers and Expos. A uh, down, he's kind of a gamble in that he had a down year a year ago, but a really good year, I believe, in 2017. I think he hit 31 home runs, good pop from the left side. Um, and you know, he's a pretty good defensive first baseman, too. So uh, I think the stability he offers is very similar to that offered by Justin Smoke all those years at first base.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, Jamie, one last question for you is what advice can you give to young kids and adults looking to do what you do? Oh, um, well,
1: the only advice I can give, there are several, several institutions that one can go to to study the craft of journalism, broadcast journalism, uh, sports media. There are various forms of it, obviously. It's ever-changing, it seems. Um, You know, television isn't the primary method of mass communication as it once was Um, and so you can choose places like the Ryerson School of of Sports Broadcasting um, Radio and Television Arts is at Ryerson I mean if you're in the Toronto area they have the College of Sports Media that's been very successful most post-secondary institutions have programs, they're all across the country, I used to do a lot of work at one in Edmonton by the name of uh, the Northern Alberta Institute of Technology. They had a very good broadcast program there. But that's where you initially would go to to get your start. But to be honest with you, the only reason I'm doing what I'm doing is because I had this, um, this remarkable passion that developed when I was very young for a lot of sports, but primarily baseball, hockey, and auto racing. And I just figured out at a very young age, probably around the age of 13 or 14, that I wanted to channel myself into the media somehow, some way. And I just set my sights on it and made sure that everything I did in school was geared toward a career doing what I'm doing now. So, I mean, that sounds very very general, I understand. But I've always told young people, if you have a real passion, a real for something you cannot go wrong by following that passion um, because there'll be all kinds of roadblocks to be encountered and there will be a lot of rejection along the way and if your passion for whatever it is you want to do stay strong you'll be able to come over or you'll be able to overcome all of those things at some point
0: all right jamie thank you very much for your time again we really do appreciate it here Good to speak with you, Cameron. Thanks for having me. And you as well, sir. Thank you guys so much for listening to the first episode of Cameron's Baseball Talk. We will catch you on the next episode.